This is the Shrimps Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed to those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. Front for the Robins. McEachran, Blake Tracy, Khan, and Austin. That's a lovely ball. Ball inside the box. Jake Young chips the ball to the back post where it's going to be headed in for the opening goal by Dan Kemp. And Morecambe just cut open far too easily there. It was well worked down that left hand side. Charlie Austin initially. Ball played in. And it was Jake Young, Runter get to the byline left hand side of the penalty area chip the ball to the back post and there was Dan Kemp to nod the ball home in the 12th minute to make it Morecambe nil Swindon Town 1 Jake Taylor with it right footed he's going to just go diagonal looking for Bloxham left hand tip of the area Bloxham does well to get that one under his control might think about a shot here from Rage does think about a shot it's a good one as well and it's off the post and somehow Swindon Town managed to scramble it clear I think the Keeper Mahoney might have got a finger on that and then the second effort back off the post and Swindon just about clear their lines on the right hand tip of the box cross comes in where it's really well saved on the goal line there by Stuart Moore Jake Young thought for all the world that he scored his 10th goal of the season there great ball in from the right hand side and there was Young climbing highs but that is a fine stop low down to his left hand side right on his goal line to keep it at 1-0 by the Shrimps keeper Stuart Moore Morecambe on halfway, King, senior, slips away from his man, Jake Taylor always looking for possession, and then McKiernan into Bloxham, 25, 30 yards out, back it comes to Donald Love, into the feet of Jordan Slew, looking to maintain this attack for the Shrimps, Bloxham, right hand side, thinks about a cross, does get a cross, and it's a really good one as well, where Jake Taylor equalises for the Shrimps, Fine header at the back post and very similar to the way that Swindon Town took the lead. And that is Jake Taylor's first goal in a Morecambe shirt. And it was a lovely move. It was Bloxham with the cross. And Taylor had just peeled away from his man at the back post. And in the 31st minute, we're back on terms. It's Jake Taylor back in the side for his first start of the season this afternoon. And he scores a fantastic header to make it Morecambe 1, Swindon Town 1 going to be taken by Hutton for Swindon Town it's a really deep one and it's got a back post and that one's a good save low down to his left hand side by Stuart Moore it was Uakwe left hand tip of the penalty area 15 yards out connected well with that left footed half volley and that's a smart stop by Moore low down to his left hand side now there's uh, Jan Songo probably going to get yellow car for that good play through the middle of the park Swindon play making a good 30 40 yards of territory and Big Jan just went nah you're not coming through here mate and just blocked him Fraser Blake Tracy to his feet Jan Songo into the book centre circle is McEachran Brewitt into the feet of Young left hand side Stan Kemp that might be a penalty to Swindon Town it is a penalty to Swindon Town and as soon as Dan Kemp went to ground, sprawling challenge there by Jan Songo. There was only likely to be one option. And the referee 
Mr. Scott Tallis, no hesitation, points to the spot and awards Swindon Town a penalty in the 55th minute. But what about this? It might be getting worse for Jan Songo. It's a second yellow card in the space of a couple of minutes for Big Jan. And not only of the Shrimps now got to face a penalty. We've got to play the rest of this game with 10 men. Jan Songo sent off the second successive weekend that Morkin find a player sent off for two yellow cards. And it's the Morkin number six, Jan Songo, who's going to have to take a walk down the tunnel. Got a yellow card just a couple of minutes ago for a quite a cynical block in the middle of the park on Fraser Blake Tracy. And it was Dan Kemp who just nicked the ball ahead of Jan Songo inside the Morkin penalty area. And as soon as the sprawling tackle came in, Dan Kent went to ground and you knew what was going to happen. Big Jan sees red. Morecambe down to 10. It's going to be the veteran, Charlie Austin, with the responsibility from the spot to restore the lead for the Robins. The 34-year-old up against Stuart Moore. Here we go. Whistle goes. Charlie Austin from the spot. Rolls it straight down the middle. Stuart Moore goes the wrong way. And that's an absolute disaster for the Shrimps. 12 minutes into the second half, Jan Songo sent off a, a second bookable offence. And Charlie Austin just rolls the penalty into the back of the net to restore the lead for the Robins and make it Morecambe 1, Swindon Town 2. Donald Love, 25 yards out. Ethan Walker, twisting, turning, bearing down on goal, scoring! What a goal from Ethan Walker to equalise for the Shrimps. And that's a fine way to mark... Your first goal in a shrimp shirt, and it was a lovely move through the middle of the park. And with 10 minutes to play, the shrimps are back on level terms. Donald Love with it. Lovely ball through to Walker. And what about that? A neat feet, skipping away from a couple of challenges. The angle was tight, but he slips it under the keeper, Mahoney Murphy, in front of a delighted Halo Terrace to make it Morecambe 2, Swindon Town 2. And against the odds, the shrimps have got back on terms. Ten men, Morecambe. We've been down to ten men since the 56th minute. Derek Adams rolled the dice, a quintuple substitution. One of them was Ethan Walker, and he's come up with the goods. A brilliant, brilliant finish. Really well set up as well by Donald Love. Great pass from the Morecambe captain, but Walker still had loads to do inside the penalty area. But his close control was incredible, as was the finish. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps' verdict on Beyond Radio. Heads it towards Ethan Walker. Takes it on his chest, middle of the park, needs options. We're in the seventh minute of the six. Added on to Tondanese to get on with it. Davenport down the line looking for Cammy Smith. It just allowed to bounce there by... Adoka Godwin Malife gets back to his keeper, who's happy just to play the ball out towards the left-hand side. Referee Stuart Talley puts the whistle to his lips, and that is a fantastic point for Morecambe manager Derek Adams and his Shrimps troops. We were down to 10 men for a large part of the second half. And thanks to Ethan Walker's first goal in a Morecambe shirt, and a brilliant finish it was too. 10 minutes from time. It's another great point, and we maintain our unbeaten home start to the League 2 campaign. It was 1-0 to Swindon on 12 minutes, and it was the first real attack of the game, really, for either side in the left-hand side of the Morecambe penalty area. And it was Young who 
chipped the ball from the byline towards the back post and there was Kemp with a header three or four yards out who had the simple task of just nodding it past Stuart Moore from close range but Morecambe grew into the half and in fairness it was an excellent game of football for the whole 90 minutes really and we deservedly found ourselves back on level terms on 31 minutes great ball in from the right hand side by Tom Bloxham and it was beautifully headed home at the back post by Jake Taylor for his first goal for the club in his first league start of the season as well and I thought Jake Taylor was absolutely terrific for the whole of the game actually one of a number of excellent Morecambe performances so one all at the break but uh, the game looked to have swung Swindon Towns way in the 56 minute in fact a couple of minutes before that actually it was two yellow cards for Jan Songo the Morecambe midfielder in the space of around about 90 seconds quite a cynical one in the middle of the park to stop a Swindon Town counter-attack one of those yellows that you take the foul for the team but then literally 90 seconds later Dan Kemp found himself just inside the Morecambe penalty area drew the the sliding lunging tackle from Jan Songo caught Kemp penalty given and that was Jan Songo's second yellow card in the referee hadn't remembered that he booked him just a minute earlier bit of confusion but after a few moments that was turned into a red card the second successive Saturday that the shrimps have found themselves down to 10 men in League 2 the resulting penalty put away nice and calmly by veteran Charlie Austin and you thought then with 10 men against a side unbeaten in League 2 this season that it might be a a tough last 35 minutes or so for the shrimps but Derek Adams rolled the dice he made a quintuple substitution I've never seen it before in all my years of doing this he brought five players on Cammy Smith Baron Rawson David Tonda Jacob Davenport and Ethan Walker and it was the Blackburn Rovers loney who latched onto a lovely slide roll pass from captain Donald Love to level things up 10 minutes from time he still had lots to do inside the Swindon Town penalty area twisting turning got a shot away underneath the keeper Mahoney in front of a delighted Halo Terrace uh, for what I would say overall is a is a thoroughly thoroughly deserved equaliser lots of heart lots of spirit lots of endeavour and lots of quality on show for the shrimps as well this afternoon and a point and maintaining our unbeaten home record here at the Mazuma Mobile Stadium I think the very least that Derek Adams men deserved. Well, Derek, a 2-2 draw against Swindon Town today with you having 10 men pulling a late goal back. Uh, you must be delighted. Yeah, I mean, I thought we were the team that created uh, the best opportunities in the game. You know, you look in that first half, how many chances we had in goal uh, was frightening. Corner kicks uh, into the box. We should have scored three or four uh, in that first half. They got uh, fortunate with their uh, first goal and... Uh, got ahead in the game then we pegged him back it was a tremendous cross from Bloxham and Taylor does what Taylor does he gets in at the back post and uh, scores a great header and uh, 1-1 uh, and then you know second half again the referee makes an error he did it last week uh, at Gillingham another error this week I'm disappointed for him uh, again because he's a young official only six game uh, in League Two today, and uh, he's just made a huge error again. You know, it's outside the box. He doesn't get help from uh, his linesman. He doesn't get help from his fourth official, and uh, 
he'll probably get marked down today for that and uh, he's cost us a, a penalty kick and a goal in a game where you know we were well on top and uh, that's really unfortunate and disappointed that decisions like that like last week uh, have gone against us again this week and you know Mike Jones the referee supervisor the man in charge was here again today so he'll probably have to sit down with his officials and look at it get them back to the drawing board you know teach them you know the laws of the game you can't get these major decisions wrong and you know it's another one they've got hugely wrong for us today uh, but the character you know of the team was magnificent you know to come on and uh, get the goal back we make five substitutions and uh, on the ascendant saying probably should go on to win the game he made the five substitutions one of those was Ethan Walker and uh, he took his goal so so well 10 minutes to go yeah and brilliant goal from him direct inside outside takes Tom Brewett one way takes him the other way sidesteps him and uh, you know chips it into over the top of the goalkeeper so uh, great for him to you know get that goal uh, today to get us you know a point but it's the least we deserved you know we deserved three points today there's no doubt about that how pleased were you with your side spirit and determination to get back into it yeah, I always say that about them you look at them they keep on going they keep on going young youthful players they're terrific to watch you see the supporters the supporters are with them because why they give their all for this football club they want to run the extra mile and, and get that extra goal they wanted to get the winner and probably should have got the, the winner I think Swindon were top of the league today and now they're sixth in the league and, and that shows you how difficult uh, a league it is but um, you know we've competed really well against a team that uh, you know have done exceptionally well at the start of the season an unbeaten run but today you know we feel that we should have won uh, the game at the end of it you could see a real togetherness the fans as you say really appreciated what your boys did yeah, I mean, they know the difficulties of this football club. We're up for sale, we've got no money and uh, we've put a squad together that, uh, you know, keeps on going. They can only be proud of this football club because, you know, this part of Lancashire, uh, Lancashire uh, is, is tremendous and, uh, you know, I think that... Uh, the days in and the days out, they don't have a clue what's going on behind the scenes. You know, what I've had to put up with, what the football club's got put up with on a daily basis. And uh, But what they do see is they see a team on this pitch going the extra mile for this football club. And they can be ever so proud. They've got the cheapest season tickets in the land. And uh, I think that that is testament to why they've you know, come here, put their money where their mouth is, supported this football club through this problems that we've got at this moment in time and they're huge and uh, we need to get that sorted out as soon as possible because we've got a really good team here and uh, unfortunately last season was last season disappointed the way that went because we could have stayed in League One you know with a wee bit of forthrightness and uh, togetherness off the field you know we would have stayed in League One if we got a wee help in hand but uh, unfortunately we're just keeping to keep on going and keep on going and uh, I think that the, the players uh, you know keep me going you know they're the only people that keep me going at this football club the only people nobody else does some great football as well first half your youngsters as you say that, that some of the one touch football the and they can move and uh, you know I think that uh, you know with the, with the finances we've got we've got the bottom budget in the league and the way that we play the way with the energy the way that they pass the ball the way that they, they create openings it, it's delightful to see and uh, you know I'm just proud of them because you know we've taken them in and we've blended them and uh, made them stronger mentally we can get even stronger uh, but you know I think today a point undeserved but uh, for, for Swindon uh, today we should have had the three I do thanks as always Thank you. Just a couple from me, Derek. Um, we've played some good teams already in League Two this season here, haven't we? But mm. days like today show that we've got nothing to fear from anybody, really. 
No, we haven't got anything to fear. We, we, we don't have the financial power everybody else, and everybody else has got you know, loads of money. But what we do have is got players that we've picked up and, and been able to mould into a team. And uh, that's what it was. You know, We did that when we got promoted out of uh, League 2 into League 1. We blended it all together, and we got everyone fighting for each other. They knew their jobs, and they knew how to pass the ball and create opportunities. We scored two goals again to here uh, today, and uh, you know, very good goals at that. Is that the policy of trusting in youth and, and being able to take in and absorb what you're telling them? Of course. You know, we had Merlin and Mayer uh, not here today because one was injured, one was suspended. But uh, we've got a young group of players that uh, want to, to learn, want to do well, want to train, want to play games and uh, want to push up the league. And, you know, today, you know, we've moved another you know, few positions uh, further forward. And Michael Mallon not being in the team today allowed Jake Taylor to start his first league start of the season and he showed today why he's a quality footballer and, and, and why we like him so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm only disappointed that I can't play Jake all the time because, you know, he's had his injury issues. But uh, for me, Jake uh, is a great football player. His intelligence is, is fantastic. He reminds me a wee bit of myself. I said that to him uh, yesterday, the way that he plays. He could score more goals, but uh, you know he picks up good positions, plays in a pocket that's hard to defend against, and he sees a pass. And Today, you know, he got in on the end of a cross into the box and uh, a fantastic header. And with Jake playing as he is and, and Michael back next week and hopefully Adam Mayer back next week, that gives you a bit, and Ethan, of course, as well, that gives you a bit of a headache for next Saturday. It doesn't give me a headache. It gives me something nice to, to think about. Derek, enjoy the weekend. Thank, Thank you. you. Ethan, a 2-2 draw today. Thanks to your goal with 10 minutes to go. Uh, a great goal for you and uh, you must be pleased. Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, I just want to get on the pitch and, and impress and, and try and get uh, an end product, whether it's a short cross or just trying to make stuff happen in the final third. Um, the team did well. We dug in um, right till the end. I think, as you can see, with the team spirit, it's... Uh, it's good and, you know, we'll fight to the end. If you're going to score your first goal for a club, you probably pick the perfect time to do it. 2-1 down with ten, 10 men on the pitch. Yeah, well, there's nothing um, nothing holding us up to, to go and push to get that final goal. We've got nothing to lose, so yeah, last last 10, 15 minutes, just try and work something and, and luckily it came off. Good work by Donald Love as well to get you the chance. Yeah, uh, Don was all over the place by the end of the match. I said to him in the changing room that he's... He's got great work ethic and uh, his stamina is uh, unmatched. Um, but yeah, great work from Don and um, that's what I want to do, just get on the ball and, and get past people and uh, beat them 1v1. We just talked to the manager and he, he was full of praise for the, the youngsters and the spirit and determination that you've got. And, and for a young side, you really do battle toward, to the death, don't you? Yeah, I think well, we're in the Football League, you know, it's, it's hard for young players to come in and get that first team experience. So. Once we get given that opportunity, we have to battle and fight and try and keep a place in the squad. And um, I think that's what pushes us all together because as young players, we want to fight, want to play. Um, and that's what keeps us boosted to, to play and perform. You're coming from Blackburn about two weeks ago now. How's it been for you since you came? Um, really easy, um, to be honest. Uh, the lads are fantastic. Um, group of staff are brilliant. And um, I feel like they'll get the best out of me. If you say bringing the best out of you, what, what do we expect of Ethan Walker? Just expressing myself. Um, just beating players, being um, just bringing excitement um, to the fans, but also to, to help the squad out with um, end products and hopefully getting on the score sheet. Your first Football League goal tonight, will be a good night for you? Yeah, it will be, but um, I'm not just going to stop here. Um, I want to carry on, I want to 
bring some more to the table. So um, we'll see. Thanks so much for downloading episode 126 of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. This is Dave Salmon. Downloads and subscriptions always appreciated as ever, as is your eyes and ears on uh, Shrimps Live. Full match commentary, of course, of every single Morecambe game this season. Home and away, League and Cup. The only place where you can find that is uh, right here on Beyond Radio and, of course, via I Follow Shrimps as well. So on we go then. Uh, another trip south for the Shrimps this coming Saturday, it's Forest Green Rovers, uh, a trip to the new lawn. And uh, just over a year ago, in the sunshine, I'm sure you'll remember, uh, Jensen Weir chipped in a free kick in the 94th minute, headed home by Farron Rawson to give uh, Morecambe uh, their first away win of the season. In fact, their first win full stop in the league of the season, as I recall, uh, just over 12 months ago. And uh, one of only two uh, wins on the road all season. We need to improve our away record. We know we are desperate to do that. And uh, next Saturday, today a good chance to do just that we've been talking to josh evans josh is forest green rovers correspondent he's also a co-commentator for bbc radio gloucester follows forest green rovers home and away and the ideal man then to get the full lowdown on david horsman's men ahead of our trip to the new lawn next saturday full match commentary of course as ever from just before 255 on beyond radio so, Josh, thanks again for jumping on our podcast, mate. Really appreciate your time. I know you, you're very busy uh, with all things Forest Green Rovers. And I think as we uh, spoke about just before we started recording, lots has changed that, since we last spoke for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. That. Thank you very much for having me on. And it's been a lot of change, like you said. Um, new league, both in the bottom ends of the table as well, which is probably not where both sides want to be in Forest Green don't really want to be caught in a, in a in a battle towards the bottom end of the table. I think they will have too much quality and you look at some of the players that they have brought and they shouldn't really be down there in the bottom ends of the table. But at the end of the day, they they haven't picked up the results that they, they have wanted to so far. Home form certainly, as we'll probably discuss as well, hasn't been anywhere near the kind of things that they want to achieve. And a couple of the players have been saying maybe we want to make the, the home grand fortress, which is obvious thing to say as a player, but... At the same time, they kind of need to put those things into practice. Now, let's rewind a few months, if we can, and uh, to the the good old glory days of, of the League One era. And uh, it was tough to stay up, wasn't it? At, at what point, Josh, did you perhaps fear the worst as a Forest Green Rovers fan and, and, and uh, member of the media following them home and away? At what point in the season did you think, nah, this isn't going to happen? I think it was... A tough season for both managers that, that took the, the roles, Birchall and Ferguson. I think by the time Ferguson come in, I think a lot of fans were thinking there needs to be a change. Maybe it could have happened sooner. I think that's where some fans may have said, well, if we'd have maybe rolled the dice a little bit sooner and then they would have had more of a chance. But you look at how it ended in the back end of the season, I think Ferguson only picked up one win in 18. So certainly wasn't how he wanted it to go. It, probably doesn't do his his kind of character much much good in that sort of sense, coming into a, a role that he ne- didn't necessarily have a great set of tools and he didn't necessarily pick up the, the correct results that he would have liked. But probably at the turn of the year, you thought to yourself, there was a couple of sticky results over those over that Christmas period. And you thought to yourself, maybe it's going to be a really, really tough season. They ended up spinning... Um, spinning the wheel at about the back end of January and you thought it might be too late but it, it was worth a go and Ferguson 
didn't necessarily get the tune that he wanted out of the players that were all recruited in January, pretty much. Obviously, it didn't work out for for Big Dunk. But what changed between the end of the season where he was in it for the long haul and he was going to be the man to try and have a good season in League Two and then suddenly, middle of the summer, he leaves the club. Why did he leave the club? And, and what changed between the end of the season and, and the point where he did leave the club where suddenly he wasn't the right man for the job anymore? Uh, it's a good question. I, I do think he was trying to build a squad that maybe suited him a lot more. So... I mean, he was still in the club when Ryan Innes signed a six foot six centre half, and you thought to yourself, "Is this the kind of recruitment that will be continuing?" Um, and Ryan Innes has been a, a very good sign of Forest Green, but I think it was six weeks after Alan Steele, the director of football, came in. Um, Ferguson was on his way, and I think maybe it just pointed to a, a bit of a. He, I asked him not so long ago. He, he didn't say there was a power struggle, but maybe there was just a not too much alignment in targets, maybe. So when you're looking at the kind of players that Horsman now has or probably would have wanted, they they can all play a really good standard of football. It's just maybe the the opportunity, maybe they're a young player who who needs the opportunity at Forest Green to, to kind of progress to the next level, or it's someone like Dini and Darbo who have got a really good relationship with Horsman and in the end have been able to be attracted to the football club. So... I think maybe their targets just aligned better under a new manager. So they kind of wanted to completely reset the culture. And maybe Duncan Ferguson wasn't the man to take them forward in that. Maybe it was a point on his side as well that maybe didn't get the right results. And maybe he wasn't necessarily enjoying his time. He's Liverpool-based as well. So he's travelling a long way or he's had to relocate down here to to kind of get into the role and maybe just the two things didn't necessarily align at the same time. And there was uh, talk, speculation, well, it was a bit more than speculation, wasn't it? Because she was actually appointed as as interim manager and uh, the whole of the footballing world thought, here we go, he's going to be the first female uh, professional manager in the EFL. And it wasn't quite to be. Was it always going to be that way Josh did you get the sense that it was always going to be for a, a temporary measure or, or or did she have a realistic chance of getting the job I do think she was certainly in the candidates I think Dale Vince was quite adamant into the fact she was the most um, qualified person at the club to take on the role so in that sense it doesn't make too much of a, a story if you know what I mean and it's just the sense of being able to appoint a female which was brilliant for the football club, but I think a lot of people kind of said it as she was never going to get the job. It's just a just a media speculation, kind of bring more attention onto the football club. But I think she was the most qualified person at the club at the time, and she also applied. She didn't, didn't get the role, but you've got to look at the list of applicants that, that would have applied for that role, and it would have been a very, very good list. So Horsman was one of them who, who caught the eye. I think... Um, Alan Steele said to me not so long ago, his presentations are impeccable, his attention to detail, his just professionalism throughout the whole process. That kind of separated him from from everybody else in that list. And that's nothing against Hannah Dingley, who certainly <laughs> took the club through a, a, a tough transition, well, not transition, but a tough period of time where there was a lot of media speculation and a lot of questions that had to be asked towards the the senior management that kind of what is going on at the football club right now. They've just, just been relegated, just one under Ferguson, one win in 18. 
And now suddenly they're, they're second a manager in, in pre-season, which is a little bit strange. So it, it was a bit of a turbulent time, but it feels like they've settled down a little bit. Maybe not the results on the pitch, but certainly pointing towards a project at the football club. Now, uh, not too many will be overly familiar with uh, David Horsman. Uh, what's his background and, and what kind of manager is he? Um, what he is, is a brilliant coach, is, is first and foremost. I think when you do get towards the kind of the discussion of head coach and manager, he likes to be a manager, but his coaching is is what really sets him apart. He's referred to as a Premier League coach and somebody who is very, very good on the training field. So... In that sense, his relationships are brilliant with players. Um, he's able to to really get the best out of players. And I think that's what we will see with Forest Green. I think you will get to see players who play within, play kind of with so much confidence that it will benefit their career. You'll probably see players improve under him. Um, but yeah, came from a background of youth, uh, Southampton, where he was very, very positive, I believe. And it was a lot of good good stuff around him. You heard a lot of good things. It was just taking kind of the step into the into the senior management role that you thought, will he, what will he have to do? He obviously has to deal with a lot more hype around games or a lot more you know, questions after games or stuff like that. It's just interesting to see how that kind of character copes and how he develops in, in the role and whether it suits him as well. Now, we're still very early in the season, of course, Josh, aren't we? I mean, some people say 10 games, some say 12, some say 15. But uh, as we, we head up towards the double figures mark for the season, we are rapidly approaching the quarter points already. And uh, I think it's fair to say it's not been the start to the campaign that perhaps you would have wanted. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Um, I had them down as probably mid-table in the season, but the home form so far has is, is not been very good at all. Um, when you're looking at having to make the the home ground somewhere where in League Two you have to be able to be quite aggressive, you have to try and get on the front foot. You can use the fans to your advantage. Um, they haven't been able to do that so far, and it's the away form that's really carrying them through. Um, but at the same time, you've got to kind of point to the positions, and you've got to say this is still a team developing. Managers are always going to point to injuries being an issue. Forest Green never seemed to be able to get out of that rut at the moment of having lots of injuries and lots of injuries in key positions. But they're starting to build a squad, which is the key. I think they've got, I looked at the team on the A-team squad on Saturday and thought to myself, they're leaving out three or four good pros, if you know what I mean. They've got a lot of good pros actually in the squad and that will probably benefit the the side in, in the, the whole season. I don't think necessarily see Forest Green battling down with the the bottom two. I think eventually they'll come out of their shell. It's the same with Doncaster. We played Doncaster last Saturday and you thought to yourself, this is probably won't be a side that will be down there. It was a real good battle and probably a game that Forest Green shouldn't have lost. But at the same time, you've got to try and pick up those results in League Two. Well, we're the complete opposite. We are great at home, terrible away. So <laughs> that makes for, for, for an interesting um, scenario there, I suppose. We'll, we'll talk more about the, the actual team in, in just a second. But one player I wanted to ask you about, Josh, if that's OK, is, uh, is Troy Deeney. Obviously, everybody knows about Troy Deeney. Has he been brought into the club to make a difference on the pitch? Has he, has he bought, been brought in as a coach who can play a bit? Or is he just an out-and-out PR signing? It's um, It was something that, 
I suppose until you get a few weeks into the season, you don't really know what you're going to get. But uh, came on at AFC Wimbledon, scored a goal and kind of just introduced himself to, to League Two football, I suppose, um, in the character that Troy Deeney is. He's incredibly honest in the post-match. He just said, I, I like the club. Just uh, Obviously, it's a very PR thing to say, oh, yeah, I love the club. It's, it does this, it does that. But he just came in and said, I love the club. I, I want to play some games. I want to coach eventually. And this is this is perfect for me. It, I know David Horsman very well. He's he's a great guy and he's the perfect person to learn off. So he just comes across as a very honest character. He's he's obviously doing things off the pitch as well with a lot of podcasting. So it's just about how he enjoys playing this football and whether he'll still enjoy playing football throughout the whole season, whether it'll be a tough season for him uh, fitness-wise. Once he is fit, he'll be a top, top player because he's, you could tell his touch... As soon as he came into the first game, you could see everything was just within a yard of him. It was just like the ball just didn't seem to leave his his kind of area. So when he has got that on and when he has got that quality, he's going to be some player. Yeah, and if, if you need a, a, any translation for the Black Country, West Midlands, Brummy accent, do, do let me know, Josh, because you know you know exactly where he's from when you hear him speak, don't you? But uh, yeah, quite the signing for you guys, I suppose. And, and uh, looking at the team as a whole, it is, and I suppose it's the same for Morecambe as well, radically different to the side that got relegated from League One. Yeah, absolutely. I think in January there was a lot made of the sign-ins that came in and they've kind of had to roll with those players. Um, I think they had 12 or 13 players contracted at the end of last season. They didn't want that to continue. So you had good players coming to the end of their contracts that now playing neither League One or League Two, Ben Stevenson at Portsmouth, Regan Hendry, Tramier. Um, they come to the end of their contracts and even Jordan Moore-Taylor, for that example, they let his contract expire because they didn't want players, they didn't want too many players signed on. So they needed that room to bring in players with the right head of recruitment. So it's certainly, you've got to kind of roll with the players that they bought in January. They have got certainly good players. You, you look at the, down the list of players, you've got Charlie McCann, Jamie Robson, both still playing. McAllister still from last season's team as well. He's still one of the one of the key players from it. But some of the recruitment as well, you've got Fankati Darbo, last kick of the football that he played before Jordan Forrest Green was in a championship player final. So, you think to yourself, he should have a lot of quality coming into into a League Two football. Troy Deeney the same. Matty Taylor's obviously played a lot higher level as well. And he's certainly one who hasn't necessarily got off the mark yet, if you know what I mean. He hasn't really had the goal to really spark his, his season. But you think to yourself, later in the season, you would expect to see a lot more from him. You'll see goals as well. Um, and also, Luke Daniels in goal, he's been... He's been a brilliant player so far. A lot of experience and certainly someone who they kind of needed in that position. I think you look back to last season, they didn't necessarily have in, in Rostu and someone who they really wanted in the goal and someone you could really, really rely on in that situation. And when you're down the bottom of the table like they were, you're kind of asking for your keeper to always have, make three or four really good saves to keep you in the game and then maybe nick one on the break or be able to trust your style to be able to get up the other end and score a goal because the games were always so tight, but they just couldn't hold on for long enough and they just couldn't sustain any sort of pressure in league. And at least it's more of a competitive battle in league. So you get games that are like Doncaster, 
a really end-to-end game that are really exciting, but they could go either way. And I think that's the beauty of League Two, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's it, to me, it seems that the, the League Two that we got promoted out of in 2021 is far more competitive than the League Two of 2023-24. There seems to be so much more money in it and certainly more teams, probably more teams than ever, who have a, a realistic design on, on one of those top seven promotion places. So uh, there's a real battle on and it's, it's a, real, uh, a real situation to try and stay competitive in that respect. Yeah, and I think it is tough for, for both respective teams for us, Green and, and Morecambe. I know they're coming down from a League One that was really tough last season. League One was an absolute powerhouse of a league. Um, but now League Two is exactly the same. You've got probably, you normally think to yourself, third spot is kind of a, an up for grabs between a number of teams still coming towards the end of the season. But you feel like teams are going to kind of run away with this season and Notts County... Obviously, flying as they are, are gonna are gonna be one that got a lot of money back to behind them, and a lot of money, like you said, for a number of teams in the league. Tough to stay competitive, but it's it's a great challenge as well to try and get to that level as well. I think for Forest Green, a lot's made of obviously investment from Dale Vince. Whether he's got the they want to make themselves championship ready, which was the words that that were Alan Steele's and and being able to kind of push on towards those levels. So if they have those aspirations, they've got to try and compete with, well, Wrexham and Notts County for two, who got steeped in history in terms of that sense. They'll always have that that fan base to kind of rely on. And obviously they're extremely good at either sponsorship or, or branding. So you're able to make your money that way. Forest Green have got a little bit more of a different challenge to be able to, their recruitment's got to be perfect. And, like you said, getting out of the league now is going to be a lot more difficult than it kind of used to be. So tell us, uh, what, what do we need to know then about a, a David Horsman, uh, Forest Green Rovers um, tactics, style of play? What can we expect? Uh, I think they will set up 4 2 2 2. In, uh, David Horsman doesn't really like the, the term 4 2 2 2, but it's kind of. Uh, it's like a 4-4-2, which one winger is going to kind of drift inside, almost pick up a pocket of space in, in the, the number 10 role. It kind of, that's what Deeney likes to do, do a lot as well. And then the other winger likes to kind of stay outside, uh, stay on the touchline and actually be more of an old-fashioned winger. So a lot of fluidity in positions. Um, but it's a, it is a four at the back. You see a lot of teams play three or five at the back nowadays tries to always keep the four at the back and they've got strikers who are on the pitch who and in the club who can score goals. You've got Matty Stevens, Troy Deeney, Matty Taylor, Tari Somatoy, and then soon to come back you have got Callum Morton. So trying to fit all those players or at least give them enough game time to be able to to warrant being at the club. You've probably got to either play two or if you play one out of those and then you're going to get a lot of strikers either disappointed or probably frustrated that they're only playing um, Football League trophy games at the end of the season. So a difficult one for, for Horsman to have to weigh up, but they've got options. They've, they're a passing team. They try and play out of the back quite a lot. And going from Duncan Ferguson, who you could kind of sense it was going more direct football, it's different. It's more of a positive change that the fans probably wanted to see. Don't necessarily want to be labelled a, a direct football team. 
in the end, you, you've got to weigh up going direct more often just to try and get your get yourselves out of a sticky situation sometimes. It's just having that balance, isn't it? To be Absolutely. able to do both things. So what, uh, what, what constitutes a good season for Forest Green Rovers then? My initial thoughts were mid-table, as I mentioned. Um, I think it's difficult to judge how far they can get. They, they've obviously had a couple of positive performances on the road. And beat Sutton away, which I think Sutton will probably struggle this season. Um, so that was still a good result. They controlled the game and that can give them a lot of confidence. AFC Wimbledon were a good, really good side to take a point from there. was a really good result. Harrogate win as well. So you just think maybe if they can just put together a, a home, just a couple of wins that will give the fans just something to, to cling on to a little bit. Games have been really, really tight in that aspect and you think you think just just hold on or just be a little bit smarter in situations and that does point to the young squad so it's difficult to put expectations on on a young squad and, and how far they're going to get but I think mid-table is still a, a genuine aspiration and you look where they are on the table right now it's not where they want to be they have got to put together some good results to get out of the position where they are because nobody has a divine right to to not be in a, a relegation scrap and you can't always look too far ahead in that in that sense. But Forest Green have just got to try and keep themselves grounded as much as possible. Take it's a very football cliche, but take one game at a time and just kind of try and build the momentum, build a kind of project feel that they are trying to put across. And of course, Morecambe fans all remember what happened last season, the very last uh, kick of the game, well, the last header of the game, really, from uh, former Forest Green Rovers man Farron Rawson to, to, to get us the points. Hopefully it won't quite be as dramatic as that, but uh, looking forward to the game, Josh. I think it should be it should, should be a, a, a good occasion. Always love coming to the new lawn. Uh, it's one of those grounds in Nailsworth Village, isn't it, where you drive through and, and that, the sat-nav last season took us through this country lane and we're driving just fields either side for about five miles and we're like... There's no way there's a football ground here. We're absolutely lost. And then suddenly, there on the top of a hill, is the new lawn. So uh, it, it's, it's a nice uh, nice picturesque setting for the ground, isn't it? One thing I do want to ask you, though, Josh, is the uh, has the press area uh, got any bigger than last season? It's the smallest and the tightest press box, I think, in the whole of the EFL. It's, it's still tight. And oh, good. I think, I think we've even had our room given to the ticket offers as well, which is not good either, but... Um, we're certainly trying to push for a, a kind of bigger press area, but it, it's an interesting ground, isn't it? You, you come, like you said, I, I travel in the same way as like you travel for five miles and you're thinking, surely there can't be a football ground at, at the end of here. But um, it's just something different, isn't it? I can remember Ipswich being one of the first teams to travel to the new lawn last season. They're probably thinking, coming down from the championship, this, this can't be right. A real kind of um, a shot back to to ground if you know what I mean so so interesting to have to those different things that was that was the beauty of League One last season wasn't it and you get some great teams steeped in history coming down to, to teams like Forest Green and it was just really interesting League Two is going to be the same fans are still going to have to maybe they're a bit more used to the different grounds or older grounds but certainly an interesting one isn't it and always get a good welcome at Forest Green, which is after a long journey, that's just what you want. Josh, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Just before you go, uh, where can we see and uh, read your stuff about Forest Green Rovers? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Josh Evans and then three underscores. 
Um, I'm also a commentator for the commentator and summariser for the BBC Radio Gloucestershire as well. So drop me a follow if uh, you get the chance. Every kick, every game, every goal. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.